Well, hey, everyone. Uh, glad that I could be with you, even though I can't be literally with you. Uh, but my name is Nick Schatz. I'm one of the pastors here at Hershey Free Church and excited to just share a few thoughts from God's Word with you today from the Bible. So for the past several weeks, we've been discussing what it means to build bridges with other people. And specifically, we've been talking about some of those things that can uh, be divisive. We've been talking about bridging the divide on some topics that can be divisive. So Pastor George has talked about politics and how that can be divisive sometimes. He talked about race last week. We've talked about how important unity is. Uh, One of my favorite verses right now is Ephesians 4.3. It reads, putting up with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Okay, and so today we're going to talk about another topic that sometimes times can be divisive, but we need to look for mutual respect. We need to look at how to unify with our brothers and sisters in Christ and the church. And so today we're going to talk about generational divide. That generational divide, that is the tension that can sometimes come up between you and someone of another generation, someone older than you, someone younger than you. Uh, And this is especially important for us to talk about here at Hershey Free Church because uh, recently, earlier this year, our elder board and our staff members went through this process in which we were really asking God and trying to discern what is the future of our church? What would be our long-term vision? And we all pretty unanimously agreed that we want to be a place that really focuses on young adults. We want to be a place where young adults can call this their church and be involved and feel plugged in and a part of the church here. And so this is a really important topic for us to dig into today. So I'm going to be opening up to uh, 1 Timothy in, in your Bible. If you want to open up to that letter of 1 Timothy, I'll be in chapter 4 and a little bit in chapter 5. But before we get there, I just want to get our mental juices flowing a little bit. I've got a bit of a blast from the past. We're filming this on Thursday, so we'll call it th- uh, Throwback Thursday. Um, some of you may remember some of these games. Operation is, uh, that, that sort of bridges different generations. I think my kids have played a, a newer version of that. Of course, we have one of the original gaming systems, the Atari. Some of you remember playing you know, Pac-Man or, or whatever on that. Galactica is one of my favorites. Uh, we have Weeble Wobbles. Until this week, I had no idea what this is. In fact, I still don't. Um, but there, there's Weeble Wobbles, if you remember playing with those. I do remember Pickup Sticks, playing that with my grandmother you know, 20 years ago or something like that. I haven't seen them since, so that, that game is sort of phased out in, in some ways. Uh, here's, here's some, those of you who are in a generation of, like me, you were raised kind of in the 90s, the early 2000s where you're your uh, kid or teen years. And so here we have the DigiPets. Uh, those were pretty big for a while. I think those have phased out. Here's one of the original Game Boys, the black and white thing that looks like a brick. Uh, Wooly Willy was pretty popular. You know, you can drag the little magnet pieces around to make him have a mustache or a beard or eyebrows, whatever. And then, of course, there was all that. Uh, this is where I was introduced to Kenan Thompson. Some of you watched Saturday Night Live, and you didn't realize that he was part of a, a teenage version of that with Nickelodeon. So uh, these, are, these are some of my favorites that I like to go through. Uh, but, but whenever I look at these old toys, these old TV shows, old records, things like that, it just sort of, it sort of takes me back. And it, it reminds me that Kids are kids. It doesn't matter what generation you are in. It doesn't matter what decade it is. Kids are kids, and adults are adults. However, the influences that are around us as we grow up and as we mature and as we enter adulthood, these influences really shape the way that we think, our perspectives, and the way that we view ourselves and other people around us. I could also say it this way. We all grew up on the same planet, but in very different worlds. Let me say that again. All of us have been born or grown up on the same planet, but... 
we grew up in very different worlds because times change and every decade looks a little bit different and there are different uh, you know, kinds of things and influences that are around us. So let me ask you a question related to this. For those of you who are over 40, and if you just passed the benchmark, sorry, I had to pick a number. If you are over 40, I wanna ask you this. Have you ever caught yourself saying something like this? Maybe you're sitting around with peers and you found yourself complaining about young people these days. Ah, young people these days. Or maybe you made comments like, man, they're always on their devices. They don't understand social interaction. They don't make eye contact. They don't know how to build friendships. Young people these days. Or, man, they're entitled. They don't have work ethic. They're not loyal. They, they get a job, and two years later, they book away to another one. They're, they're just not loyal like people in my generation, yeah, young people these days. Now, if you are under 40, if you're, if you're in kind of my age category, if you are under the age of 40, let me ask you if you've done the same thing about people who are older than you. Maybe you found yourself sitting around with peers and saying, oh, those boomers, ah, boomers. Or maybe you've said, oh, man, the older people, they're just, they're just pessimistic and they can be curmudgeon-y. Uh, they, they, don't understand, uh, they are wishing we could all go back to the 40s, we could all go back to the 50s. Uh, or maybe you've caught yourself saying, man, the older people, they just don't understand how the world works these days. And you just find yourself kind of talking negatively about a different generation. Uh, by the way, I just, again, I just had to pick a number. There's something kind of mystical about that number 40 as it's the hill or, or, or over the hill, as we say sometimes. And um, I, when I say that, I realize that I'm kind of at a scary point in that I'm getting dangerously close to that age. I'm not quite there. I've still got a couple years left, but I'm getting dangerously closer and closer to that year of 40. And if you were to ask me now, uh, I would say that I'm, I'm a young man. I, I identify with young adulthood, in other words. I consider myself to be a very young man. However, if you were to ask my kids and people in their generation, they would tell you something very different. They would say, no, Dad, you are not young. You are old. Uh, in fact, they tease me incessantly about how old I'm getting, and they call me old. They, they pick on me for my receding hairline. I remember one of my first Sundays here when our family was here, uh, one, one of the kid step workers was, was asking my son, you know, who's your dad? Where's your dad at? And uh, he said, oh, my dad, he's the guy with one little strip of hair coming down here. And when I heard about that, I thought, man, you little punk, what did you say about me? How did... <laughs> uh, but, but they pick on me incessantly about my age, and they, they laugh at me every time I, I get hurt because I, you know, I'm chasing that soccer ball too fast, and I twist my ankle. Or, you know, and I, seem to in... I, I, I have noticed that I've been injuring myself uh, more and more lately as I get a little older. In fact, uh, just a few months ago, messed up my neck a little bit and uh, didn't have my full range of motion. I, I was, in fact, my neck was kind of pinned forward and I couldn't stand upright or put my head all the way up because I had injured my neck. And I'll tell you what I was doing. See, I was asleep in bed one night and I woke up momentarily to roll over and the act of rolling over threw my neck out. So what I'm effectively saying is that I'm at the age where I can injure myself while sleeping. Maybe some of you have been in that position. Uh, I've also noticed that I'm beginning to crack all the time. My kids probably think I'm baking popcorn in my body or something because my, I stand up and my knees crack and my back cracks and so forth. Uh, I, I've noticed that I've started taking on habits that, that older men tend to have. I, I randomly wink at people. I don't know why. I just, I, just, I wink at people. Uh, I, I have a favorite spatula that I like to cook with. I drive by people's houses and I notice their grass. I'm not sure why uh, yards are attractive now at this age, but, but I've just noticed that I've, I've been hitting these stages and maybe some of you can identify with that. You, you hit a, a wall at one point and you notice that, wait a second, the freshmen aren't getting younger. I think I'm just getting older. <laughs> maybe you can identify with that because we all go through these seasons and that's not good or bad. It's just, it's just a part of life and what we go through. But today, as we uh, look at this text, 
I want us to notice a couple of things as we get into this story from the Bible. Uh, once again, we've all grown up on the same planet, but in different worlds. And that's why our age can sometimes divide us. We see things from a different perspective, and we have to put ourselves in other people's shoes and try to understand where they're coming from so we don't lead to tension, to misunderstanding. And I want us to look at a text that really talks about unity and mutual respect between people of different generations. Now, as I transition to this text, I just want to tell you a little bit of story of, of what's going on in, the, in this text of 1 Timothy, okay? So we have this story where there's this young man, his name is Timothy, and he's going to be a pastor. It's one of the first churches that he's going to get to work in. Again, he's a young man. He's excited. He's got a, a vision. He's got energy. He's, he wants to pour into this new church that he's in, and so he wants to hit the ground running, okay? And so as he, gets, as he hits the ground running in this new church, he begins to notice that he is sort of butting heads with the older people in the church. And he's not exactly sure why. Why is he having so many disagreements with the older folks in this congregation? I mean, after all, Timothy came in and he just wanted to teach the Bible. He just wanted to lead this church into greater spiritual maturity. He just wanted to equip these, uh, these people to do ministry. He was trying to engage the community. I mean, these are things that any Christian of any generation would believe in. So why is he butting heads with these older people? But we, read, we, we find out that he is, 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 in tension, is, is uh, having tension with these older people. And instead of happily following this young man, the older adults in the congregation are just giving him grief. Now, we don't know exactly why they're giving him grief. I mean, it could be because they were just questioning the different things that he was doing. It, maybe they were having secret meetings behind his back where they, uh, you know, oh, this guy's unexperienced. He's canceling programs that we thought were important, and he's running after new initiatives that aren't important. I, I, I don't know exactly what they were doing, but I do know that they were looking down on him because he was younger. They probably viewed him as less experienced or less wise than they are. Thankfully, Timothy had an older mentor of his, the guy that had trained him in ministry. His name was Paul. And so Paul, uh, Timothy reaches out to Paul and asks him for some advice. You know, what, what am I going to do because of the tension between myself and these older generations of people in my church? And so we have a, a portion of that letter. I want to read a port, part of that letter in 1 Timothy. We're going to look at chapters 4 and a little bit in chapter 5. So here's what it says. Uh, by the way, I'm in 1 Timothy 4 and starting in verse 11. Uh, Paul writes back to Timothy and says, Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him or encourage him. We'll talk about that. As if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, with absolute purity. Now, what we're going to see in this is that uh, there's a lot of good lessons that come up in this text, but really I want to hone in on two that are very applicable to us right now. There's basically two uh, do's and don'ts that he gives to these people. And the first one is this, don't look down on those of another generation. There's no reason to look down. And the second one is this, do encourage them. So don't look down, instead encourage them. So I just want to look at this first one a little bit. Don't look down on those of another generation. And so here's what, here's what the text says here. Now, I want to point out a couple things as we look at this. 
Uh, first off, I think this is really interesting language here, not to look down on you. Now, as some of you may know, this, uh, this is an English translation of the Bible. The Bible was, orig- uh, at least this letter, was originally written in the Greek language. And so I looked up, well, what's, you know, what's the wording behind that? Because that's an interesting phrase, not to look down. And I found out that it's the Greek word kataphraneo. And the word kataphraneo, it means to look at someone as if they are little, to look at someone as if they have, are small. In other words, I'm, I'm up here and you're down here, or I'm, I'm big and you're small. I'm, I'm smarter and you are not as smart. I'm, I'm more technologically advanced than you. I'm more educated than you. I have more maturity than you. I have more wisdom and life experience than you. It's, it's to be, I'm up here and you are down here, and so they are looking down on, on him. But instead of looking down on someone in another generation, we should, really, we should really try to look at them at eye level and try to understand where they are coming from. And so let me make this real practical for us here. Um, if, if you're a younger adult, I want you to just listen to me for one second. Uh, younger adults, there is a reason why your parents' and grandparents' generation, in general, appears to be more patriotic than you. There's a reason for that. There's a reason why your parents and grandparents seem to hold a commitment to Jesus as being, uh, you know, coming hand in hand with a commitment to the American flag, for instance. There's a reason why that generation tends to have that view. And older adults, I want to talk to you for a second. There's a reason why your kids and why your grandkids, why the millennials and Gen Z, why they, they tend to be less, they, they seem to be less patriotic and less, uh, you, know, you know, attracted to that kind of of thinking. There's a reason why they see God and country as not going together, but really being two distinct different things. There's a reason why these generations tend to view patriotism a little bit differently. And it's not because one is right. It's not because one is wrong. It's just because of the influences that affected us and and the culture and society around us as we grew up. All right. Uh, Let me use another one. I'll just pick uh, music as an example. Uh, I, I've, I've heard many times from older adults that they, they really don't appreciate sometimes uh, some of the modern worship music that we sing. And I, and I can't tell you how many times I've had an older adult come to me and just say, man, Nick, I just, I just really don't like modern worship music. I mean, it tends to be shallow or it's too loud or something like that. Or, or sometimes they'll say, uh, you know, it seems like we repeat, the, we repeat the same phrases. The same lines are just repeated over and over. I want to go back to the good old days where the hymns where we used to sing when the roll is called up yonder. Of course, I'm, I'm meaning that in an ironic way, because if you look up the lyrics to that song, when the roll is called up yonder, you'll see that that line, when the roll is called up yonder, is repeated 15 times in that song. Unless, of course, you were like me and you were born and raised attending People's Baptist Church of Greenville, North Carolina, right? And so in our church, after we sang that song the first time around and we sang that line 15 times, our worship leader would get up. And he would say, boy, that's good. I can't wait until the roll is called up yonder. Let's sing that one more again. And we'd crank up the piano, not the piano, but the piano. And we would sing that song again. And, and then uh, after, after we were done with that, our pastor would come up and he would just get going. And man, I, I love my pastor. Old Max Barton was his name. And he had this thing where he would get excited. He would stick a hand in his pocket. He would tuck his elbow in. He would stick his finger out. And he would just kind of, he would, he would talk to us just, just like this and kind of hammer down. It was, it was just so funny. It was exciting. And he would, he would do like this. And every once in a while, he would say, boy, that is, that is just good. I can't wait until my name is called up yonder. Brother Fisher, get up here, sing that song again. Let's get the piano going, and we would sing it again. And I tell you, uh, like, like most kids, most kids have this syndrome where when they're really bored, it's like all their muscles just kind of deteriorate right in front of them, right? And so I, was, I remember being a kid and barely able to stand. My feet were aching, my back was aching, and I thought, why do we sing the same line over and over? 
And I think it's ironic because it's the same thing that I hear from different generations. It's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just a thing thing. And we have to realize that. We just come from different perspectives, okay? And so uh, hopefully you can uh, just keep that in mind. And so when Paul uh, speaks to him, he says, hey, don't look down on anybody from a different generation. And by the way, I think this, this definitely works both ways. Paul is writing to Timothy, a young man, but this works both ways. There's no reason for Timothy or someone my age or Gen Z, for instance, to look down on someone of an older generation. We ought to be at eye level and trying to empathize and put ourselves in other people's shoes. Now, here's the second point of advice that he gives. He says, uh, don't look down on those of another generation, but secondly, do encourage them, encourage them. And so let me look at this verse uh, here with you. So uh, uh, we're we're in uh, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. It says, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but encourage him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Now, I want to take a second and just point out some of the verbs that are in here. You'll see, you'll see we have rebuke and encourage and, and treat are the three verbs that are in here. Let me talk about this for a second. Um, I, when it comes to rebuking, there is a time and a place in which someone is behaving in such a way in which we, re, we do need to rebuke them and actively call out the behavior or attitudes or whatever they're having. I, but we don't have time to get into you know, what would be legitimate in that case. But what I want to point out here is that Paul is saying, look, Timothy, don't run around just rebuking people and trying to get people to fall in line. And, and, that, just, just, and instead, start with just trying to be an encouragement and try to gently encourage these older adults in your church. And of course, again, it, it goes both ways. Um, and also, if you're reading the New International Version, that's the version we're using here, you'll see this word encourage is actually translated as exhort. I, I switched that up. A lot of English translations use encourage, and exhort's just not a word we use that often. So nothing fishy's going on here. Just I wanted to use a word that was uh, more readily available for us to apply, okay? So he says, don't rebuke, but instead encourage. And then he says to, to treat younger men as brothers and so on and so forth. Now, if you look at the original uh, letter that was written from Paul to Timothy. This word treat is not in there. Uh, and, and again, nothing fishy is going on. It's just when, when you translate from one language to another, you, you have to make the sentence work. And so you, you, know, you have to use a little bit of liberty when you're translating to another language. Many of you understand that and know that. Really, what we're supposed to do is take this word encourage and carry it down through the other parts of the sentence. We could read it this way. Encourage an older man as if he were your father. Encourage younger man, men as brothers. Encourage older women as mothers. Encourage younger women as sisters. We're really meant to, to take that verb. That's, that's, the main, that's the main focal point of this sentence and carry it down through the rest of the sentence. So in order to build unity between ourselves and another generation, the best thing that we can do is to encourage them. Don't look down on them. Don't think of them as little or small. Don't, don't jump on them and instantly rebuke them and you know, assume that you know better, that your perspective is better. Instead, start with an attitude of encouragement. Okay, now I want to share uh, three three reasons why I think that this is important for us to encourage. Okay, and let me see if I can. I'll go ahead and put the first two. The third one I don't think will. Oh, it does fit. All right. So three reasons to encourage. Number one, if you find yourself looking down, you probably aren't standing in the right place. Okay, if you find yourself looking down, then you're not standing at the right spot. You need to be at eye level with those who are around you. Now, kids. Gen Z, my fellow millennials, would you just listen to me for a second? Your parents and grandparents grew up in a very different age, in a very different generation. They grew up in a world in which Christian ethics were taught more readily in public schools. They grew up in an era in which divorce rates were lower. 
they grew up in an era in which just about everybody went to church or had this knowledge of the Bible and so on and so forth. And so when they look at our country, when they look at our society around us, they are mourning a loss that you and I, as younger adults, as, young, as younger people, have never had. And when you're mourning, there are certain ways in which you come out, and, 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 and there are feelings that come through you that I'm not going to experience. So th- this, is, this is why they think about things a little bit differently. Now, older adults, let me talk to you for a second. Okay, If you're a Generation X, a baby boomer, if you're, if you're older than that, let me talk to you for a second. When you mention to younger adults and to teenagers today that, that the, maybe you wish you could go back to the 40s or to the 50s, you, you wish we could go back to the Leave it to Beaver days or the Andy Griffith days, you, you may think of the good old days. You may think of better times. However, people in my generation and younger, we tend to think of Jim Crow. We tend to think of world wars and the aftermath of those world wars. We tend to think about presidents being assassinated. Okay, We, 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 we don't tend to think of glamorous things when we think of the 40s and 50s. And I realize that, man, those were the good old days, but, but people in, in younger generations, we tend to think, sure, the 50s were probably great if you were a white, middle-class male. <laughs> Otherwise, they weren't great, right? So, so we have to realize that this is just, we're viewing things from a different paradigm, from a different perspective. And we have to try to, if you're looking down on anybody, you're, you're, not, you're not standing in the right place. You need to get on eye level with people. I'm speaking relationally, of course, not as far as height goes. And, and try to put yourself in their shoes and see things from their perspective. Neither of us are right or necessarily wrong. We have a different perspective. So three reasons to encourage. If you find yourself looking down, you probably aren't standing in the right place. Number two, rebuking or griping, nagging, tearing down, complaining, these sort of things, they usually don't help anyway. Instead, if, as you see in that verse, I, I won't go back to it, it's a lot of clicks, but if you go back to that verse, you see that he's trying to teach us to treat each other as family. I should be viewing the older adults in my church as my parents and grandparents, and they should be viewing me as, as their sons and, and so forth. Uh, those in my age group are like brothers and sisters. We're to treat each other as family within the church. Now, I, I would, I would, uh, there are times where I have disagreed or uh, you know, been upset at my parents and my grandparents. But I do not want to be the kind of person who is at odds, who builds walls and you know, never talks to my parents. I never get along with my grandparents. I don't want to be that kind of person because he, this, this is family. You know? I want us to disagree and then kind of and, and try to see, each, see things from each other's perspective and, just, and, and continue to be family. And those of you who have kids that are grown, they've left the house, they've graduated, that sort of thing, I, I, I would sure hope that you would never want to see yourself as griping about your own kids who are grown, and man, I didn't raise them that way, I can't believe they're doing that, and I, I don't want to see them for Christmas. I, I would sure hope that you don't want to view your kids in that light. Instead, even though you disagree with your grown kids, you, you want them to thrive. You, you are for them, right? In the same way, when we're within the church, and the church is where we learn how to relate to people outside the church as well, by the way. George mentioned that a few weeks ago. We are to treat one another as family. Man, I am, I am for these older adults as if they were my own family. And they should be for me as if I was their own family. This is the way that church works, okay? So rebuking, uh, nagging, and, and, and tearing each other down, that, that usually doesn't work anyway. And that just doesn't fit this family mo- motif that once we've uh, become one in Christ, we're, we're in this together. We're, we're a family, all right? If, you're, if you find yourself looking down, you're not in the right spot. Rebuking usually doesn't help anyway. And then number three, people need encouragement, especially right now. Life is hard. Life stinks. I don't care what generation. I don't care what life stage you're in. Life is just really hard right now, and we just need to encourage one another, okay? Let me kind of wrap up by saying this. Uh, how do we actually do this, okay? I, I find it that it's really easy for me to get frustrated with people in a different generation. It's really easy for me to just assume that my perspective is the best and I got the best paradigm on this. How do I become the kind of person that doesn't look down on 
a different generation? How do I become the kind of person that can encourage other people around me who are younger than me, who are older than me? Uh, so what I did was I called around to a few people in our church. I called you know, four or five older adults in our church who were baby boomers, uh, traditionalists, or, or Generation X, and I asked them this question. If you could say one thing to the younger generations in our church, what would you say? So let me show you a couple of the answers that they came up with. Here was the first one. Uh, one, one dear old lady, she said, sometimes I feel disrespected. And when I heard her say that and explain what she meant by that, it, it kind of kind of broke my heart. It, it reminded me of this time where, uh, maybe some of you have done this, where you go back to your high school after you graduated, and you kind of expect that you're going to walk around with your, you know, your old sports jacket or whatever, and people are going to think you're great. But when you show up, you find out the juniors and seniors don't really want you there because it's their time to be in charge now. And the younger uh, sophomores and freshmen and so forth, they, they don't remember you anyway. You're, you're just talking to the teachers, right? It's, nobody really wants you there and you feel awkward. It feels kind of disrespectful. Uh, she said, you know, sometimes I feel disrespected as if I'm not listened to and my, my perspective and my, uh, my life experience isn't really taken into consideration. And so this is something that us younger folks can really take to heart. We, we don't want to unintentionally disrespect someone of another generation. Instead, we should be showing them honor. Uh, here's another, another thing that uh, someone in an older generation said. He said, if I could tell one thing to the young adults, I would tell them that truth is absolute. All right? Um, this, this gentleman was, was just very discouraged about our society. And so he mentioned that there, there's many things that have changed in recent decades. And he's right. Uh, he specifically talked about views of sexual orientation, a looseness of sexual ethics. He talked about the seriousness of being pure and holy before God. And he said, you know, I just, I, I just wish that younger people would, uh, would make sure they avoid relativism, the idea that there is no absolute truth, whatever's good for you is fine for you, whatever's good for me is good for me. And he said, I'd, I'd like them to hear that. And so that was helpful. Uh, here's the third thing. Uh, another, uh, another older adult, senior adult said, don't let all the noises around you influence you. Create time to hear God clearly. Um, I, I really appreciated what this older lady said. And uh, let, me, let me read this quote. She said, you know, be diligent to create time to hear God clearly. We are influenced and don't even realize we are influenced by voices other than God's, so we have to hear his voice clearly. I thought that was helpful. And for those of you who, who told me these things, thank you for just being a part of, of this lesson. And, ho- and hopefully it's, it's helpful to me. I hope it's helpful to other young adults and, our, and uh, teenagers in our church too. Uh, I did the same thing, of course, with uh, some younger people in our church and asked them the same question. Here's some of the things that they came up with that they would like you older adults, boomers, Gen X, um, traditionalist to hear. Okay, here's the first one. Give us a chance. Give us a chance. All right, so millennials and Gen Z, just like every generation, we go through a plethora of, of stereotypes that are sort of thrown on us, right? Negative things that are assumed about our generation. You know, we're always on our devices, or we're not loyal. We're materialistic and entitled. We don't know how to work hard. We're saturated with sexuality. And, and on and on I could go about some of the stereotypes that we hear about uh, one guy that I spoke with, one young man, he said, you know, don't, don't write us off and don't, don't assume the worst. I, I realize you think I'm on my device all the time, but you have to realize that this is my life, right? I'm, I have emails on this. I'm, uh, you know, my kids are at home right now, and I, <laughs> you know, we're, we're all just trying to make this stuff work, and um, I'm, I'm checking in with friends. I'm reading the news on this. It's not that I'm, I'm not watching Netflix on this thing, okay? I'm, uh, I, I'm engaging with my culture and with my friends around me when I'm on this. So don't, don't assume the worst. Don't assume that I'm shallow just because of you know, whatever the stereotype might be. Another young adult said this. She said, don't humor me. Ask me questions and actually listen to me. I thought that was interesting. She said, don't humor me. 
when I asked what she meant by that, she said, you know, sometimes I feel that older adults are, they, they hear me talking and they, and they smile, they nod their head, but they're not really, <laughs> they're not really listening to, to what I'm saying in my heart. They're just sort of humoring me. Um, so by, by way of example, I'll go back to this older gentleman who uh, was just r- really discouraged about society these days and how, you know, public schools aren't teaching Christian ethics anymore and that sort of thing. And, you know, why, why did they take in the Bible out of the schools or, you know, whatever else? And I, I, I've heard many, many, many older adults say this to me. However, I've, I've never once had an older adult ask me how I feel about the public education system now. And I'm not saying that, that, that older adults shouldn't have a say and be able to express their opinion, but the, the truth is your kids are they're not in the school system. My kids are. So maybe having a two-way dialogue instead of a one-way dialogue would be helpful in this situation. So hey, don't, don't humor me. Just actually listen to me and get to know my perspective. Now, the last person said this, millennials are adults. Treat us that way. I, I really appreciated this young woman. One thing that she really honed in on is she said, you know, older adults, they always, they frequently say stuff like, Oh, life is so tough. I just don't know how. How, how, do you, how do you live out your faith in a world so terrible like it is now? And she said, you know, I, I think that that's well-intentioned, but it communicates that you're really frail and weak. Your faith isn't as strong as mine was when I was your age. Are you going to be okay? <laughs> it's almost like, do we need to wrap you up in bubble wrap because your faith is weak? And she said, no, don't, don't treat me like an adult. I'm, my faith is very real to me. My commitment to Jesus is very real. Keep, so uh, she just wanted that to be communicated. Hey, uh, as, as we wrap up, I just, I just want to say, I think Hershey Free Church would be an amazing, amazing place if both the younger generation and older generations could not look down on each other, but instead we could just encourage each other as we live out our faith together uh, in, in both of our life stages. And say, hey, as we, as we wrap up, I just want to remind you that church isn't over. Church is just beginning right now. And you are not being dismissed. Instead, you are being sent to encourage one another as if we were all family. You are being sent to listen to what other generations are saying. You are being sent to build bridges and not burn bridges or not build barriers with those who are older and younger than you. You are not dismissed. You are sent. Thank you.